Hey guys, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's relentlessly at work in our mess. So basically, even in the midst of our often crazy lives, this is a place where we can come as we are, kick off our shoes, and take a deep breath of truth and encouragement. Well, I'm your host, Jen Jewell, and today I have my good friend and co-host, Cindy Beal, here with me. And y'all, we get to partner with women of our church, Life Church, where we're also huge fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word, literally in our pockets for free in hundreds of languages with all kinds of equipping tools wherever we go. It's unbelievable what we as a generation have readily available at this time in history. Guys, let's be sure to make time for what matters most. Well, beyond all that, We just love the Capital C Church, the wildly beautiful and diverse body of Christ all over the world, and consider it a total privilege to lock arms with you wherever you are, and with women from all over who are bravely sharing their stories in Jesus' name. So no matter your background, your location, your story, your situation, no matter what kind of giant you might be facing at this exact moment, you're wanted and welcome, and we're so glad you're here. In fact, do you know just how much you matter to God? In the first chapter of the first book of Scripture, we see that God created people as the grand finale of all creation. He called us good, announcing that of all His intricately detailed designs, plants, animals, oceans, galaxies, only we were made in His image. That image of God, or the Imago Dei, is exactly why we believe that people, all people, have intrinsic value. So when we ask the big questions like, who am I? Do I even matter? What's the purpose of my life? It all reels back to us being made with utmost intention by our loving Creator God. Guys, we have been empowered with minds to reason and make choices, with souls capable of having relationships with God our Father and with others, with the authority to create, cultivate, lead, love, multiply. But sometimes everything gets a little foggy. Because of sin, because of our longtime enemy, and because of a real battle we're fighting every single day, we can sometimes lose track of whose image we bear, but that image never leaves us. Y'all, our guest at the Messy Table for episode 61 is the beautiful Molly Allen. Molly is a wife, mom, ministry leader, a fierce encourager, avid learner, and a passionate advocate for mental and emotional health. From the outside looking in, her life looks pretty polished and put together. You'd probably never know that after giving birth to her son, postpartum depression reared its ugly head even clawing its way back into pain from the distant past. Deep generational wounds from loved ones who, in moments of weakness, chose to take their own lives. Understandably, those wounds busted open, and that pain causing Molly to question the value of her life. But that's not the end of the story. So I have to be honest, we recorded this conversation last week where Molly courageously shared the good, the bad, the ugly. Then afterward, someone told us it happened to be World Suicide Awareness Day. We had no clue. Then sadly, we heard that a pastor, husband and dad connected to our church had tragically committed suicide. All that to say, we don't believe in coincidences. So we were planning to air this episode next month, but instead felt an urgency to fight back by sharing Molly's story of hope as quickly as possible. So if you're here and you've ever wondered how someone can choose life, even when things get really dark, or maybe you're living in that darkness right now. Well, you're not alone. There is hope and you've come to the right place. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair and join Cindy and me for a chat with Molly. Well, Molly Allen, welcome to the messy table. Thanks for having me guys. 
Party. Yeah. So glad you're here. Yeah, it's great to be here with you guys. Well, Molly, we want everyone to know who they're hearing from. So would you just give us a little snapshot into who you are and what you're all about? Sure, absolutely. Like you said, my name is Molly Allen, and I get to serve on our Life Church staff team, on our learning team, which is a really cool team to have at a church, honestly, sure. which is where we get to provide opportunities, resources, and things to help our staff members take steps forward in their personal growth. Yeah. And so I used to be a host team pastor, which is on a campus right. where you are leading the environment for the weekend. Basically, you're a very important person. She's no, very no. important. When she walked in the room, I thought she's a very like, important dang, person. look at that. <laughs> so. So like I said, I get to serve on our staff team and my husband is also in ministry alongside me on the Life Church team. He's on our giving team. His name is Ty. Fun. Shout out to Ty. Yeah. Ty Allen. Ooh, hottest redhead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we have a one-year-old son named Will. He also has red hair. Aww. And he is a fireball. He's darling. Oh, man. He is spunky. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. He's um, probably a typical boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if you've heard this yet, but there's a phrase that one boy, one brain, two boys, half a brain, three boys, no brain. And I have three boys. And so when they're together, there's no brain involved. There's just pandemonium and chaos. So yeah, yeah. welcome to the life of boy mom. I think we've taken a shortcut to that because with my boys, (laughs) my husband and son, oh, Oh, it is. It's crazy. There's a half a brain involved there. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So you work, you're in ministry, you have a husband and a baby. How do you keep all the plates spinning? Uh, It's a lot, right? I didn't expect it to be a lot whenever I was pregnant. I was like, oh, it'll be cool. We'll just like integrate this baby into our life and he won't rule. Uh, he doesn't rule, but it sure added some complexity, right? Mm-hmm. So the things that I enjoyed before becoming a mom were things like, what am I going to pick out to wear for today? It's going to be so fun mm-hmm. or cooking was so relaxing. Grocery shopping, I loved it. Um, none of that happens yeah, for fun anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I needed to be as efficient and fast as possible. So Honestly, I try to automate things if I can that don't require a whole lot of energy spent so I can save my energy for my family and ministry and keep like life stuff simple and moving forward. Yes, yes, yes. Using different systems um, to keep track of that stuff. Like what? uh, So for grocery shopping, uh, well, first I start with a meal planning app that knows our food preferences. That's great. And it plans all of our meals for us. And then it connects with online grocery pickup. And so we just pick up our groceries. Wait, it connects with it? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, so the meal planning app connect. What's the meal planning app? It's called, called? E-Meals. Do you do Walmart or do you do something I do else? Walmart, but it connects with a lot of different things. You're changing women's lives right it's now. It's amazing right because now. it's like, hey, here's this. <laughs> Here are 10 meals to choose from. What do you want? You pick what you want. It builds a grocery list. So you don't have to use the online shopping, but it can build a grocery list. You can check off the things that you I already appreciate have. appreciate that because I don't want to be controlled. Yes. Right. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You can check off your stuff and do it yourself. Or if you don't want to go into a grocery store with a um, unpredictable one-year-old, you don't have to. Nice. You just pick it up on your way home from church. That's so good. So that's what we do. And it makes like, we eat healthy stuff because it's already planned. So yes. it eliminates the everyday temptation of stopping at right. Chick-fil-A. Or no spontaneous caramel M&Ms like in the food aisle in yeah. the checkout yeah. line. Because you, you like the caramel it. M&Ms too? Oh my gosh, they're so this good. changed they're, my they're life. Like crack. Okay. We shouldn't have probably said so, that. <laughs> I love that you just shared that because there's just so much that mm-hmm. a, a mom has to think about, whether she's working or not. Well, we're all working. We're all Some working. of us just don't make money. Um, <laughs> that's a little messy, obviously. I know you, you know, mm-hmm. your little one-year-old, he's a darling, but he's he's a hot mm-hmm. mess probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's been other things in your life you've walked through. Some little yes. bit more messier than a typical one-year-old. But so walk us through some of those things you've uh, endured in your sure. life. So going back to July of 2018, whenever our son Will was born, 
it was a pretty great pregnancy. I mean, it was easy. I was happy. I felt good. All of that up until the last few weeks, whenever mm-hmm. my blood pressure started to right. tick Which upward. Nobody upward. feels great. Oh, in no. the I would raise my feet for 30 minutes at a time so that they would like go down and swelling, but it still would be, my feet would be twice the size that they normally were after resting for 30 minutes. It was terrible and painful. But anyway, he was induced <laughs> three weeks early. And after he was born, I felt like the normal chaos was there. Like mm-hmm. all the things we were experiencing were pretty typical of what yeah. people say happens whenever you have a child. Not sleeping. You're, no. Yeah. yeah. You feel like you shouldn't operate heavy machinery because <laughs> you just don't have. No bulldozers <laughs> no, for Molly. No, no bulldozers. Yeah. All the bulldozing I did before just don't do any more of that. <laughs> I don't know if you were nursing, but I feel like the whole boob thing is a whole other universe in itself. Especially, you're leaking. You're full. Especially if your kid won't latch. So you're like pumping and then feeding it right. to a bottle and you're rinsing and you're like doing the whole cycle. Whole- you're just like a, yeah. You're like a factory. You're, you're a milk station. <laughs> yes. Yes. My husband did look up. He's a farm kid. And he did look up if you could do things like a cow. I was like, don't share. Oh, that's and awesome. don't don't reference cattle. Yeah. And me please don't reference yeah, cattle to me at all. No, not at all. Anyway, um, it was about four months into being a new mom that I started to feel like what I was going through wasn't normal anymore mm-hmm. because the thoughts that I started to have were... Like my family would be better if I wasn't a part of it, Mm. which was super freaky to me. And that is vague, but felt like I was complicating things and that I was not feeling like I could contribute. And I felt like I was a roadblock for like my family, uh, especially Ty and Will to like have a good fulfilling life. And so that was when I started to notice that something was not normal and it was super scary. I'm sure anybody who experiences that finds that to be disturbing because you're like, well, the expectation is that like I have this brand new perfect child mm-hmm. and my family's growing and all of these things. And yet for you or for me on the inside, it was like, I can't do this. Like I'm a barrier for my husband and my son and all the good things that are happening. And I'm pulling the joy out of that because I just don't feel like I can do this. Mm. Was there something that triggered mm-hmm. that place That's for what you? I was gonna ask. Yeah. Yeah. I had been back in the workplace for about two months after that. So I think it was the integration of having my child go to amazing childcare, um, but being away from him, coming back into work, contributing to a team, leading people toward goals, and just feeling like it was way more than I could handle. Did you feel guilty or was it just overwhelming? Guilty on all fronts because I didn't feel like I could fully be available as a leader. I didn't feel like I could fully be available as a team member, as a mom, as a wife, as a follower of Christ. All of those relationships seemed to be suffering because I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like I could be enough for any of them. So yeah, I mean, in retrospect, I'm seeing that in the midst of it, I had no self-awareness as to what was making it happen, but I felt guilty mm-hmm. for sure. I think that was how I knew something was wrong because there was guilt. But your first red flag was maybe they would be better off without me. Yes. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So I called my OB Jen and told her, hey, this is what I'm feeling. May- that wasn't like, hey, I have this thought. And then I immediately go to that. It was wrestling and acknowledging the fact that like I need help mm. and talking it out with my husband and having to bite the shame bullet or really just push it down and say like, unfortunately, right now, I don't feel like I can do this. Good for and you, that's though. not easy to say, but um, I need help. And mm-hmm. so my husband being like, of course, you know, he didn't know what to say. He's pretty introverted. So him processing his emotions in that moment didn't happen. So I felt a little bit alone. And, you know, in that moment, you feel scared, but he agreed. He was like, yeah, I mean, we have to do what we need to do. For sure. So that takes guts, though, to admit you actually need help. 
Oh, yeah. Because we all want to be strong. We all want to put on the face and like, all right, I can power through, you know. Oh, and I have practiced that my whole life of like put on the front and practice perfection and don't let people see where the struggle really is. So having to like really tear down those walls took a lot of internal processing and reflection to finally say like, actually, I can't do this perfectly. When do you think those walls started? Like, what was it that made you, because you, apparently your whole life, like, what yeah. was it that made you feel like I've got to put on a pretty face and make uh-huh. sure I'm okay? What What was it? Um, well, when I was nine, my dad uh, took his own life. And that is, at least when I look back in my memory, that's whenever I start to see myself modifying me to what I thought was supporting other people and keeping them close. Mm -hmm. And so as a nine-year-old, you know, you have no awareness that you're doing that and no one was pushing that, you know, my mom wasn't, my family wasn't at all, but that's whenever I started to notice myself thinking that if I can take it on, then people won't leave. Mm -hmm. I felt guilt, like for a long time, I wrestled with that. My dad's death was partially my fault in ways. I don't know. Like if I had been less of a, I wasn't a struggle by any means, but if I could, I don't know, if I could have took less energy, then maybe he would still be here. What was your dad's struggle behind the scenes? Do you know? Uh, He was was an alcoholic. Okay. Mm -hmm. He'd been an alcoholic since he was a teenager. And so it had been a long battle. He um, died when he was 31. So, but he didn't share his battle with people. He did it alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's whenever I really noticed myself trying to put on the face of perfection and what I thought would be supporting others by taking it on and not letting people really see where I was. Well, goodness, as a nine-year-old, you were probably just trying to process everything that had happened. I can't imagine. Mm. Yeah. For a long time, I mean, I just didn't even understand. One, it was like my first real experience with death, you know, losing someone permanently. That was its own struggle. But then also growing up and not having Mm. that father in your life really, I mean, it took yeah. a toll on who I was oh, and gosh. choices Absolutely. I made throughout life and all of that. So, yeah. Well, not only not having a father, but also knowing things could have been different. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think about that not as much as I used to, but for in my teenage years and early 20s and in college, I, I often think like, how different could my life have been mm-hmm. if he had been here? Right. Because there's so many tragedies that obviously we can't prevent. Mm-hmm. And it's just really hard. But then there are some preventable ones. And it's just like, man. So obviously with your dad, I mean, he got to a place where he just didn't want to struggle anymore, obviously. Was there a part of you that was fearful? I mean, you said after four months after the baby, you're like, they're better off without me. How did all that play? Because Mm -hmm. it feels like there's a lot of connectedness and Mm -hmm. that's really messy. Yeah, sister, it is a mess. (laughs) Uh, No, I was a mess and I'm still a mess. We all are. Yeah. uh, Yeah. The connections between that and like me being fearful of what could happen for my family, that was super real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I swear it was Jesus and the Holy Spirit that pushed me to get help Mm. because the thought that went through my mind was, Will cannot have the life that I did. That's Mm -hmm. right. Because you felt that pain. Oh, yeah. You know it. So there's already, Uh, even with that thought, mm -hmm. redemption beginning. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just kicked Satan in the tail right there by Mm -hmm. by choosing to live Mm -hmm. when maybe everything in you was like, I don't want to do this. Right. 
you hit the nail on the head. I think just even choosing to ask for help, even acknowledging that I'm not in a good place, that I do need help. I think that's kicking Satan in the face for one sure. step at a time. Yeah. yeah. It got really dark. I mean, I had reached out to my doctor and she put me on some like low dose medication to help mm-hmm. it. Um, and it didn't help. Things mm-hmm. got darker. Things got worse. Um, until January of 20, is it 2019? Yeah. January, 2019, things got super dark. And I felt like I had this tunnel vision where I said it out loud to my husband, like, my life is going to be over before the end of the year. Like in that moment, it was so terrifying. Mm -hmm. And I had a panic attack because I'm like, oh my gosh, what if this is the case? Mm -hmm. My dad took his own life. His mom took her own life. Is that my fate? It almost seemed like, did you feel out of control? Oh, I felt like I didn't have any control of what was happening inside my brain. I felt like I was taken captive in my own body. So before having Will and having this postpartum depression that kind of turned into other things, yes. Um, did you ever struggle with any of this, like in your teens? Like mild depression when I was transitioning from college or from high school to college and um, going to Oklahoma State from a small town was hard. It was a bit fearful then, but it was in no way you couldn't compare that experience with what happened in January. Okay. So someone who's listening right now who might be thinking, I feel like I'm kind of on the fence of some red flags. What other than feeling that, yeah, maybe their life would be better without me, which is such a lie from yes. the enemy. Yes. What are some other things kind of in those dark moments that maybe someone listening could think, oh yeah, okay, this is a trigger point where you need to raise the flag and go, I need help. Mm-hmm. I think it's Paying attention to, for me anyway, it was noticing whenever things that brought me joy and the things that helped me stay organized started to slip. Whenever you feel like life is starting to swallow you, even in small ways of like, hey, we're going to start to have ramen every night for dinner Mm -hmm. because I just don't have it in me. Like ramen for one night of dinner or a few nights is not a big deal. But when that becomes too much to just cook ramen, it's like, okay, something's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, or I would use dry shampoo like it was going out of style because I would not shower for I would shower, but I didn't I couldn't fathom washing my hair and drying it and all the energy that it would take to do that. Like it seemed like the normal things in life started to get big, mm-hmm. bigger than I could manage. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to notice um, at work, I just couldn't process as quickly like thoughts and helping support other people. My email was too much to manage and it was, had been easy beforehand. Like I knew I could follow conversations and projects and things. And that was easy. Um, and it became really hard to know how to contribute in a valuable way or even understand what was really going on. Mm. So things got like conversations were hard to comprehend. Mm -hmm. And like, I just felt like my life was in slow motion in a lot of ways. Other red flags were withdrawing from relationships in a lot of ways. Withdrawing because when it took a lot of energy mm-hmm. to do that, to initiate, let's hang out. Hey, let's get lunch. Hey, I didn't feel like I had the time um, to do that. And also, too, I didn't know what to share with other people because what if this was normal and they were going to think you just need to buck up and move on, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So relationships just became really hard and withdrawing from that. And I think that's interesting because you're a pretty strong extrovert. You mm. like people, you oh, like being yeah. around them, you're relational. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hearing, and I think it's so profound that everything that was so natural and even easy for you mm-hmm. was just 
dreadful and difficult and like walking through concrete. Yes. And so that's what I think our listeners need to hear is are the things that normally were easy for you. And so that's that's what you're saying. Yes. And it was this like internal self-talk saying you just need to keep on going. Yeah. You just need to try harder. Right. And it was like I how do I try harder? Like this is making dinner. How do I try harder at that? Like you couldn't strive your way out of it. No, no. And and that was the thing like I I you can't. And so no matter what circumstance somebody has or what feels normal for someone, if it starts to get too much, like that is whenever you know this is worth a conversation with someone else. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you need to like yeah. go take medicine and talk to a doctor immediately, but it is draw somebody in and put some light on it for sure um, to talk about it. Yeah. So January was the pit, yes. the deepest, darkest oh. place. Um, yes. I mean, that's just nine months ago. Mm-hmm. What began the process? Because you're not there anymore. You're not in the pit. Praise God. Mm-hmm. What was the process like? Was it meeting with doctors? Was it counseling? What happened to help you start to get out of that pit? The list is longer. <laughs> well, <laughs> like maybe just be, a top five yeah, or top what three. Was it? What did we not do? Right. You know, um, lots of things. Once I realized in talking with Ty, like I had this major panic attack that was sort of the catalyst where I found myself in my closet, tunnel vision, scared and um, realizing I needed help. And so I just started Googling doctors that could help with that. And I found a doctor in the town that we live in that specialized in postpartum depression. And so made an appointment with her, not fully, like, actually, I was pretty scared to make that appointment because I didn't know what was going to come of it. Was I going to just be brushed off? Like, hey, this is no big deal. Lots of women deal with this. You're fine. And um, that was not the case. She was great. The doctor that I saw, and I still see her, you know, every once in a while, but seeing her, um, we started some different types of therapy. Medication was one of them to pull me out of mm-hmm. that pit so that mm-hmm. I could actually work on things. For sure. Absolutely. And um, feel stable enough that we could move forward. So definitely that. And then I started individual counseling and then marriage counseling also because in the midst of it, sure. I had no idea what sure. was going on in my head. I wasn't processing it out loud. I didn't feel like I could. Mm-hmm. And so our marriage was so strained. So we started marriage counseling also at the same time. Mm. And, um, and he probably didn't know why, like you're saying, yeah, because he, he was wasn't like, in your head. So like, yeah. what, what's going on here? Yes. He was like, we're fine. Like, we'll be fine. I'm right. like, you, yes, we had a baby, I am not fine. Right. <laughs> and I like, we need to get stronger together. And I know that this is hard for you too. So those were like the three big things that I started doing immediately after this like major panic attack was seeing a doctor, going to counseling couples and individual, and then also having to tell people mm-hmm. where I was. And I remember one of the first people that I told was my boss at work. And I was so scared to tell her that, hey, I've been going through some really dark stuff, hard stuff. And if you've noticed a difference in me, it's probably because of that. And I don't know a whole lot about what's going on right now, but I'll bring you into it as soon as I know. Mm-hmm. I was scared to tell her those things. One, because I think society, or at least for me, I, I thought if I tell the person who employs me, mm. she's going to say, well, you're not able to contribute at the level that I need you to. So, you know, adios. And I was really afraid of rejection and for her to see, believe that I was incompetent and all of these things. And that couldn't be further from the truth of mm-hmm. how she responded. Right. And so I'm super grateful for that. 
and um, she created a space where I could be transparent with her and then with my peers of, hey, this is where I am and this is the journey that I'm on and these are the steps that I'm taking. And if I'm not here all the time, it's because I'm going to all these different kinds of mm-hmm. appointments or working from home because that's where the energy needs to be spent. Um, so it was bringing other people into mm-hmm. my world. Which it sounds like that was the hardest part for you. Mm-hmm. was admitting to other people. I don't know if you felt like it was a weakness, which I don't think vulnerability is a weakness. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's a strength. I don't know if you felt like, I don't want to be dramatic or I don't want to be a yeah, burden. I did. I mean, that's so true of thinking that, well, one, believing that this, again, ingrained from childhood, like if I perform enough, it will eventually get better. And so that's what I had mm-hmm. this thought of, like, if I can just perform my way through this, then no one needs to actually see where I am because I don't want to foster any doubt in other right. people that I can't do what I've said I will do. Um, so vulnerability, I did perceive vulnerability as a risk. Mm. And it it was a risk, you know, I mean, it was uncertain of what was going to happen on the other side of vulnerability for sure, but it was a risk worth taking because what I had to learn was that vulnerability doesn't necessarily just mean like unfiltering, like spreading what was going on with me to anyone who would listen. It was who are the key people Mm -hmm. who have a window into my life who I need to be accountable to. And that is where the vulnerability needs to happen. Mm -hmm. It was being real and saying, Hey, I'm not who I once was and I need to get help and I need you to be in this with me. So speaking of close relationships, Mm How was your relationship with God during this whole process? Walk us through that. What did it look like? It felt, it wasn't strong in the initial part. Like it was one of those things that I had let go, not my relationship with God, but what draws me nearest to the Lord of being in the word every single day. One of those things that I allowed to be a practice that just fell by the wayside because it took energy to do. And so there were times that I would feel so alone and I would recognize that oh, I, I am alone because I'm isolating myself from relationships, including my relationship with Christ. Um, but the amazing thing that I learned throughout it is God doesn't ever leave. You know, you have the power to immediately call on his name and he is right there. And so that was a lot of what my relationship with him was like earlier this year of like, oh my gosh, why am I so alone? Why do I feel like this? And it's like, oh, I have totally been neglecting the most important relationship in my life. And unlike other relationships where I have to like tell them all the stuff to bring them back up to speed to be where I am, God doesn't require that. And there was this immediate sense of presence and calm and peace and stability whenever I would do some real practical stuff like... And I create worship playlists for specific times whenever I need to like feel close and Bible plans to help me feel close and just looking for those moments where he will show up and intentionally creating those spaces. So it has been an interesting season of following him, not feeling close, but realizing it's not, not him. It's Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good point. Mm -hmm. He doesn't leave us. No. And if I could just encourage you in this, with each time we share mm-hmm. our story, we all have a story. Mm-hmm. We heard recently from Pastor Sam Marin about releasing our story so mm-hmm. that the stone we have can take down someone else's Goliath, yes. which is such a powerful visual for us. And and we have the opportunity to do that in someone else's life. And so 
I've done it before, Jen's done it before, which mm-hmm. is the things we've walked through. And today, right now, your stone is helping conquer someone else's Goliath. And mm-hmm. so there's healing happening within you that you're not even fully aware of. It's right. just one more layer of mm-hmm. healing for you. So I applaud you for, for yeah. sharing that with our people today. Mm-hmm. And I just think of so many women that I know right now, you know, maybe have struggled with postpartum in some level or capacity yeah. or not. Like I even remember, I wouldn't necessarily say that I struggled with postpartum depression, but I do remember a point when my daughter just wouldn't stop crying. Our house was built in 1930 and we have a little balcony. And I remember walking out there and I was bouncing her and she was screaming. And all of a sudden I just like panicked. And I thought, this is when people throw babies off balconies, <laughs> like go inside. I put her down on the floor in yes. her little play thing. And uh-huh. I walked into the other room and I like got on my knees and cried. And I was like, oh Lord, please help me. And so I think so many women can relate no matter what level they're at. Yeah. That. Being overwhelmed, missing their time with God because they have a baby who is up throughout the night and they're not sleeping and they're trying to go back to work and there's all the things, right? Mm -hmm. And so it can be overwhelming in that transition. Again, no matter what level someone else is at, I think we can all keep things inside and not tell other people how we're really doing because we think, oh, I just want to suck it up. I want to be brave. I want to just keep going. This is Mm -hmm. only a season. And so you're definitely not alone Mm -hmm. in that. My concern with what I've shared already is that it gets too like specific that it may not connect with the women, like you're saying, where you're in that moment where your kid won't stop crying and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the breaking point for some people. I need to walk away. You know, um, postpartum doesn't mean that you have to contemplate your life being gone, Sure. you know, and that kind of thing. Like just because that isn't the place that you get to doesn't mean that you need to keep it bottled up. For sure. So I struggled with postpartum after my oldest son was born mm-hmm. and it was, um, it's, comical now because he's 20. And so Chris and I've been married a very long time. So it was just funny because I remember Chris was like, not sure what to do with me Mm -hmm. um, because I wasn't, I'm just not depressed. I just, that's not ever been a struggle. And he was like, honey, what's wrong? Snap out of it, you know, Mm -hmm. and in his innocence, he didn't know because it was new. So I get that. And it's given me a heart for women who have gone through it. Mm -hmm. And so my guess is it's probably given you a different perspective now. Absolutely. I think that my husband would totally, he said the same things like, I can't tell if you're okay or not. (laughs) You look okay. Just be happy. Like, are you Uh tired? You should go lay down in bed. And I'm like, the last thing I want to do is be alone, Uh you know, even more than I already am. And I was, but I didn't know how to be like, this is how I need help. Yeah. Cause it was new for you. Yeah. And so having a heart for anyone who's in that place, whether you have postpartum or if you don't have postpartum, but you just feel like this is a super hard season of life, whether it's clinical depression or not, Mm -hmm. Um, having a heart for people who feel alone, but look okay on the outside, Mm -hmm. wanting to connect with people like that and encourage people who are in that place. Because if you have a heartbeat, I think that you are in some form of Mm -hmm. struggle at some point in your life where you feel completely alone, Mm -hmm. even though you look fine on the outside. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And what to do with it? I'm not sure yet. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, letting it play into my relationships and the ministry that we're already in, 100% it influences that. I think that maybe that's what God has put in front of me is it's the relationships that are already there and talking about it with people as if it's a normal part of life because it is. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I think in our society with Pinterest and Instagram and all the things like self-sufficiency and being independent and all those things are like the crown of honor, Mm -hmm. right? And so whenever we need to ask for help or whenever we need to say, hey, I am like legitimately struggling, Mm -hmm. like contemplating if my life is worth it. Yeah. You know, because it almost feels probably weird to bring that up. But man, we got to. We have to bring it up. Right. I just had this thought that like emotional and mental health, it's not a time to be an entrepreneur. Like, <laughs> like you you can't just like build something out of nothing for yourself. God designed us to be with other people and to do it with them. And so, yes, society tells you, I mean, people who are entrepreneurs are amazing because they do amazing things and we praise that. But when it comes to someone who's struggling, that's a time to bring in a partner and let them invest in you. And that's whenever growth can happen. That's a good word. So, I like that. And even the entrepreneur, they you can't yeah. you can't do it forever. It's somebody like, helped you. It's somebody like the encourager. The encourager yeah. still needs encouragement. You can't yes. just say, oh, they're an encourager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm doing a book study right now by Jen Wilkin. It's None Like Him, 10 Ways God is Different from Us and Why That's a Good Thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it was maybe the first chapter, but it talked about how God is infinite. And basically, so God is limitless. But then on the flip side, it talks about we as humans that we are limited. And that has been so good for me to hear because even though it's really obvious and it sounds kind of silly to even bring it up, we do put these weird things on ourselves like we can have it all together and that we can do it and that we, in a weird way, can almost be God or that we can make someone else God. Mm -hmm. And in a way, we're really doing ourselves a disservice because we're not leaning on God for Him to fill that void. And instead, we're trying to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just like, keep going, baby, you know, and it just doesn't work. It's true. I think that you're totally right. So the mindset that you can have uh, that I've had before is like what we've been talking about, that I can create a different reality for myself. I can work my way out of it and do something. And it's all very much me focused. And one thing that I've really, I don't know that I've learned this because it's knowledge that I had in life before is that we are designed in the image of God right? And God is the creator. Thus, we have the power to create through him. And so in this season, through Christ, through God, the creator, I can create a new perspective. Mm -hmm. I can create new thoughts and a new path and that kind of thing. And it's that I will create and it will honor the Lord, but I can only create because I'm designed in the image of him. Right. It's through him. You've been empowered. Yes. Yeah. And it's accessing that and believing that through connecting uh, in God's mm-hmm. word to know that, oh, I am created in the image of Christ and this is who he is. I have that same power in me because of him mm-hmm. and it can change your future. I mean, that's been my journey of recognizing that, oh, this right here, I can't continue to live in this, mm-hmm. but I am made new in Christ. I do have the power to create new thoughts. I do have the power to create a different future if I choose life, if I choose him. And it's that choice over and over and over and over and over again that leads to a different outcome. That's a good word. Mm -hmm. One thing I want people to catch, because I think we do have a lot of people on the podcast who, you know, have some story from the past that is incredible. And then Mm -hmm. it's kind of wrapped up with a bow. And that's great. Cindy and Chris's story, episode 11, was that what it was? Incredible story of God renewing their marriage. I mean, amazing. And I'm so grateful for their testimony that has literally trickled down to thousands and thousands of people. Mm -hmm. But what I love is this is something that you are overcoming, but you are also still walking through. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something really beautiful and raw about that. And I don't want to dismiss that, that 
for one, it takes vulnerability Mm -hmm. and it takes guts. And then also just if someone out there is listening right now and is in a hard place, just knowing like you're not alone. Right. Normal people who love the Lord can still struggle because we are in a fallen world and, you know, God hasn't restored all things yet. And so talk to us a little bit about what God is showing you right now. Uh, Lots of things. I am a learner. I love to be a student. And Which is great that you're on the learning team. I know, team, right? It right? is, yes. <laughs> Strengths Finder yeah. is a self-awareness tool that we use. And my top two talents are learner and input, which those are so much about like gathering information and sharing it with others. Mm-hmm. And so in this season of overcoming, I have been learning and asking God to put in front of me, like, what are the things that I can absorb, internalize, reflect on? and then do something with it. And I think the big lessons that he's teaching me are about what is resilience? What does it mean to be resilient? What is joy? And how do you cultivate that? And gratitude. And so he's showing me that resilience is built in relationships, in relationship with him and in relationship with the people that he's put in my life through being honest with them, being unafraid to let your cards down and, you know, bear all of you and allow people to love you. Like there's some real biological resilience that's built, I think, in connecting with people in a raw way. Mm -hmm. And so I think that restoration and resilience is built in relationships to give you my three R's. (laughs) I think that's totally true. And then with joy, I have had this mindset for a long time that small moments can give big joy. And it's something that that mindset I lost along the way is that I was striving for some extraordinary version of me, some extraordinary version of life that would be perfect for social media, that would be perfect for Pinterest, that my house would look incredible and it'd be immaculately decorated and my child would be talking at six months old and all this crazy stuff. (laughs) And that that would be where joy was found or that I could be a kick butt leader and a hot wife and a stellar mom Mm -hmm. who could do it. Like I just, that's where I thought joy came from. Mm In fact, whenever I started putting that much emphasis on the extraordinary, joy was non-existent. It wasn't anywhere. And so God's showing me that He creates this ordinary life where joy is woven in the small things. And that is where He lives. And of course, He lives in the extraordinary things Mm -hmm. 100%. But that joy is found in the small stuff. And it's not a constant. We get to choose when we see it and we get to choose when we celebrate it and that all of it, it is a gift from him to keep moving forward and striving in the ordinary because that's where joy is going to come from. That's good. I love that. It's a gift from him and not something that we can manufacture. No, no. But we try. Yeah. I mean, no, you can't manufacture. No, we can manufacture sometimes a little bit of happiness, but as far as true joy. Yes, because joy is not, I've heard this, I don't know where I heard it, that happiness is based on happenings, circumstance. Well, if your circumstance sucks, you're not Mm -hmm. gonna be happy. Yeah, but you can. And sometimes circumstances suck a lot. For a long time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But joy can be found in really hard places. It can be found in somebody seeing you for who you really are and understanding that true human connection is so precious and valuable that there's joy that's in that because you're thankful that someone's right there with you. Or it can be somebody bringing you coffee in a card because they're just thinking about you. Yeah, it's a small moment, 
but it's joy. I mean, just today, <laughs> I experienced small joy of realizing that there was two ply toilet paper in the coffee shop bathroom. Like, it's so silly, Ooh, small stuff. Like, nice. Yeah, I was like, dang. Like, this they is went a, the extra they mile. Did, but they like really that, did. Not saying that everything has to be about that, but like, if you're looking for joy, mm -hmm. God's putting it there. Mm -hmm. You just have to choose to see it. And I like your word, choose. Yes. It is a choice. Mm -hmm. It is a choice. And it really goes to your third thing that you were talking about was gratitude. Yes. That is a game changer. Yes. Mm -hmm. Game changer. Tell us how that has played out in your life. Um, I have been learning a lot about what is gratitude. Um, I've been listening to an audio book um, by Brene Brown, Daring Greatly. And she talks a lot about vulnerability. I mean, she's like the godmother of vulnerability <laughs> and bravery and everything. But she she talks a lot about gratitude and being grateful for what you have and not shying away from that and inventorying what are the things that I get to have in life and the things that I get to be a part of in life and showing gratitude and practicing that every single day. Um, I'm grateful for the grocery shopping that I have to do because I have a sweet baby to feed and a husband who wants to do life alongside me. I'm grateful for the job that challenges me and pushes me because that's how I grow best is under pressure. And I, I like that. And I'm grateful for everything. You know what I mean? Like, I know that's so vague to say, but you, you have to choose mm -hmm. what are the things that are present in your life and be grateful for that. It can even be like, I'm grateful that I have chosen life. Mm -hmm. um, and for a while, I felt guilty about that, that we talked about earlier with my dad, mm -hmm. him being a similar age that I am now, whenever he took his own life. And I felt guilty f the last few weeks of like, should I be grateful for this life and joy that I have now? Because he never got that. Mm -hmm. And I don't, it's something I wrestled with. And for me, being grateful for what you have honors what other people have lost. That's a good word. And so being grateful for recovery, being grateful for whatever it is that you're like, man, I could have so easily lost this. I don't want to like be too grateful and joyous about it and show others because I'm afraid I might lose it again or I'm afraid it might offend someone for whatever. No, whenever you're grateful for the things that you have, you are honoring the people who have lost mm. that speaks to me because mm. um, my youngest is 15 mm -hmm. and we're you know we're in the middle of teenage years mm -hmm. and it just speaks to me that i need to choose joy and gratefulness in his life and all of the things that we walk through with him because there's a mom out there who doesn't have a teenager yes. that they can walk through this with um mm -hmm. and so I, I appreciate that because that is a valuable life lesson. It is something for us to apply in our lives every day to look for the good, look for the joy, look for the things we get to do. Mm -hmm. It is a total mindset. And it's what you were talking about, those new pathways, mm -hmm. that Dr. Mm -hmm. Caroline Leaf stuff of, yes. of creating those new pathways. Yeah. It is incredible how God has designed us that if we continue to building a pathway sounds really scientific, but it's really just choosing a mindset and walking it multiple times mm -hmm. and Taking doing those thoughts captive, take it captive. It and, and every day you have a new chance mm -hmm. to strengthen that pathway. And it's so true that God's given us the power right. to create those new mm -hmm. pathways and experience more and more joy and gratitude. Mm -hmm. Well, you both were just talking about choice. And Molly, we actually talked about this verse that's in Deuteronomy 30, 19. And God says, today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. And clearly, you know, you were talking about your dad mm -hmm. and 
we see two vastly different pictures. Mm -hmm. He struggled with some darkness and unfortunately the outcome isn't what we would have liked. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have struggled with some darkness, but you are choosing life every single day that you put your feet on the ground and you say, God, you know, I give you this day and I'm just really proud of you. Mm -hmm. The first Deuteronomy 30, 19 that you're talking about has been really key for me in this whole journey. And it also is the backbone to nine statements that I choose to live by that was inspired by our pastor's message and words to live by from Craig Rochelle. And there's a bunch of resources to help people write those. But I wanted to share a couple of mine with you that I think really, they embody everything that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. And one of them says, Joy is my reputation. I will engage with the world by demonstrating the gratitude that comes through a life redeemed by Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think that gets to what Cindy was talking about earlier. Like, how do you practice gratitude? Well, it's in you and you demonstrate it because of who you are now in Christ. Like, my life is completely different now. Thus, I've been given the opportunity that I wouldn't have otherwise had. And that's where joy comes Mm -hmm. from. You demonstrate it by choosing it. By choosing it. Absolutely. Um, another one is the darkness I've inherited is completely dismantled by the truth that I have new life in my Savior, Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Wow. I love that word, dismantled. Dang, girl. Yeah, it, Microphone dropping. That's right. Is that a phrase still? I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> it, I, I was really intentional with those words. These didn't just flow out of me naturally. Um, right. It took like a couple of iterations of praying about it and well, being sure, really intentional, yeah. like God give me the words for this. Mm-hmm. But I needed something that really was powerful talking about this darkness that I've inherited from my dad and that he inherited from his mom and that it ends with me. It's mm. dismantled here right. by Christ. Amen. My son's right. story will be different because of Jesus. Absolutely. And so that was really intentional. Actually, when I was reading this verse, the end of that Deuteronomy says, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants yes. might live. And for some reason, any other children that you have popped into my mind mm-hmm. because you choosing life is choosing life for them. Yes. Yeah. It's a redemption story. It's a legacy that is now different because of who Jesus is my child. And if I have other kids, Mm -hmm. this won't be their story. Mm -hmm. There's just so much Mm -hmm. infinitely possible for my kids that um, will be different for sure. Something else that I talked about was creating and that God has given us the power to create. Another statement that I live by is that I will create because I am designed in the image of the creator. Everything I create is a witness, a city on a hill. And I believe that no matter what you create, whether it's a child or a sermon or an Instagram post or you're creating a coffee for someone because you're a barista, whatever it is, everything you create is a witness Mm -hmm. of who Christ is. It is the act of serving others. It is loving people with abandon. It is embracing the hard stuff and all of that serves as a light for who Christ is. So because of who we are by being created in the image of Christ, everything we do is a witness. Man, those are so great, Molly. What else? Any other resources you want to share with the people listening? So the words to live by that I've been talking about, anyone has access to the message that Pastor Craig Grishel has preached on Mm -hmm. it, as well as resources for someone to create their own. There's uh, some examples. Yes, examples. We'll link that up on her website. Super, super great uh, for anyone who, if you're not a writer, guess what? You can still create some amazing stuff because it is like foolproof. You can't mess it up. It's great. 
Um, other resources, resources that have helped me anyway. I love the book. I mentioned it earlier, Daring Greatly by mm-hmm. Brene Brown. If you're not a reader, audio is great. She's actually the one who reads it. Yeah. It is so um, incredible. If you're the kind of person who practices perfection and it's too much, vulnerability is your secret weapon and you can learn to be real and that can be really freeing. So that book was so great. Um, and I listened to it over and over again. And then one of the ways that I was telling you earlier of how I really connect with God, like in these moments of anxiety or where it feels like life's kind of swallowing you up is through choosing to worship God when I would rather not and doing that through worship music. And there are two songs specifically that um, just really are speaking to me right now. One is Another in the Fire by Hillsong. I will listen to that and like play it on the TV. And that's what I like rock will to my son whenever he's freaking out and I'm freaking (laughs) out. And it's like, we're not in this alone. So Mm -hmm. listening to that is, um, I love that. And then another song is from our church. It's called um, You Are Good. I think that's available on iTunes or whatever. It's talks about how even in the waiting, whenever you're not certain of what is ahead of you, God is good. And we get to choose to praise him in the midst of not knowing what's next. Mm. And I need to hear that every single day. Right. Me too. Yeah. Those are awesome. All right. Well, as we wrap up, do you have a final word of encouragement that you could just leave us all with as we kind of head back into our week? Sure. My encouragement to anyone who's listening to this, whether it's something that you resonate with where I am and what what I'm walking through right now, or you know someone who is, um, my encouragement is to believe that you're not alone because that's the truth. God created us to be in relationship and do life with other people. And so whenever you start to feel that shift, even if it just feels ever so slight, that something's off. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't feel like me. That is the flag to know Mm -hmm. I need to let somebody into this. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be huge for you to bring somebody else in, to be vulnerable with someone and to experience relationship and the love and grace of Jesus through allowing other people into what feels dark to you Mm -hmm. or what feels like it may be so insignificant that you don't need to let someone else in. Let them in. That's good. Molly Allen, you are a beacon of hope today for Mm -hmm. these people listening. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. This is great. Well, I do want to point out, we have the suicide hotline linked in the conversation notes, as well as the other resources mentioned. If you've found yourself in a desperate place, please, please call that number or reach out to someone you trust and mostly just know that there is hope. Also, you won't want to miss the next episode two Tuesdays from today because Rebecca Lyons will also be sharing her story of redemption with anxiety, depression, and mental health, plus a bunch of practical nuggets and rhythms that can help all of us thrive. So be sure you're on our email list, subscribe to the podcast, and you'll be the first to know when that episode goes live. Well, maybe you were listening to Molly's story and it resonated with you more than we could even imagine. Or maybe you thought of someone who could really use her words and you're sending them their way. Or maybe you don't totally relate, but Molly's perspective gave you a window into God's bigger redemption story in a brand new way. One thing we have in common is that we are all faced with these choices. The choice to choose life or not. The choice to find joy or not the choice to trust God or not. Remember in Deuteronomy 30, God says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing your life firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. 
Guys, please know that we here at The Messy Table are praying for you. We're cheering you on. And even though life can be painfully messy at times, we truly believe that God is at work in the mess.